Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Second Kings. A man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing food from the first fruits to Elisha, the man of God, twenty loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Elisha said, Give it to the people and let them eat. But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred people? So he repeated, Give it to the people and let them eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. He set it before them, and they ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. A gospel reading from the sixth chapter of John. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he knew himself what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about five thousand in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, He withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. And they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you, to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Perhaps you've heard the expression, you're only as good as your last, and then fill in the blank. So this quote has been attributed to all sorts of people. For example, Oprah, 
Oprah, who said, Every day you're only as good as your last show. But believe it or not, this quote is much older than Oprah. For example, 1986, Laurence Olivier was, uh, in his memoir, wrote, You are only as good as your last job. Then you go all the way back to 1930, columnist Walter Winchell, who said, You're only as good as your last column. And then, even before that, the first known recorded usage of this was in 1926 by Douglas Fairbanks Sr., who wrote, A man's only as good as his last picture, as he was talking about how other entertainers like Charlie Chaplin weren't mere actors, but you knew that by seeing that name that you were assured of great entertainment. Do you ever get the sense then, as we are reading our Bible that thinking about what kind of what kind of reaction we had today where the, the crowds eventually will abandon Jesus because they just can't seem to be satisfied. Like culturally, yeah, we're really impressed, Jesus, but the expectations in the bar keeps getting set higher and they want to see something better. Could it even be possible that the Son of God is only as good as his last miracle? Okay, for example, if perhaps Jesus was on America's Got Talent, Wait, wait wait for it. Look, look, it's there. Okay, so Jesus, if he was on America's Got Talent, his very first act, like the thing that would get him through to the next round, that was the wedding at Cana. That happened in John 2, right? We learned about the wedding at Cana, and the crowd went wild. The, you know, everybody at the party was like, man, this is the best wine. Why didn't, why didn't we get the, the, the best wine first? And this was, the, you know, this was what put Jesus on the map. You know, how do you top that? Well, in John 4, we happen to find out. See, uh, Jesus heals this little boy who is near death, and he's the son of a royal official. And so Jesus heals him. He lives. Everyone's like, wow, this is amazing. He can even heal the sick. Uh, So Jesus' expectations are now through the roof. You know, water to wine, awesome. Healing a child near death, legendary. So what could possibly Jesus do next? Well, Word's starting to get around, right? Like people want to be around Jesus. They want to be in his presence because they want to see what he's going to do. Like what could he possibly do next as a miracle that would top what he has just done? He's got everyone's attention. And so even as Jesus is trying to get a little bit of uh, isolation, you know, they're grieving the death of John the Baptist and he's kind of gone off to this mountaintop, the people find him and they surround him on top of the mountain and it's getting late. And Jesus, you know, he notices, he's got some compassion for the people who are there, and he notices that they're getting hungry. And certainly he would have had every right, every expectation to send everyone back home and just say, look, I need the night to just rest. Go get a good night's sleep, get some food. I'll talk to you in the morning. But that's not how you top your last miracle, is it? I mean, Jesus even's kind of playing along with it. He's like, you know, talking to one of his disciples. He's like, man, where are we going to find bread for everyone to eat? And John's like, even though he knew. And so then, like, you, you get this, like, Jesus, like, totally, like, playing along with it, like, classic Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he's like, all right, everybody, everybody, have a seat. Does anybody have anything? All right? So people are, like, checking their pockets. They're like, you know, I got, you know, lint here. But no, right? They're, they're like, people are like, no, we're, we're hungry. But there's this one boy who's got five loaves and two fish. And Jesus is like, all right, I can work with that. So he gets all of his disciples together. And he tells them to start passing out the food. And he feeds all 5,000 people, plus women and children. And they are in awe. Like, wow, what a miracle. 
As I was reading my devotionals this week, Pastor Steve Moline, who's a, a colleague that I've worked with uh, in, in the past, he's been a pastor here in the Twin Cities, he, he wrote the devotion and, and he talked about this story. And so in his devotion, he said, I recall a Sunday sermon on this text in which I shared the opinion that perhaps it was the generosity of that little lad that even moved the crowd to reach into their satchels and share the meager contents that they had. A piece of cheese here, flask of wine there, maybe a few crackers. Well, after worship, Anne confronted me and said, Pastor, you disappointed me today. Do you not trust that Jesus has the power to multiply that little boy's meal? Pastor Steve said, Well, I I wasn't prepared for a dressing down from this delightful church lady, but this unplanned reply came out of my mouth. Anne, what do you think is the greater miracle, that Jesus would multiply the loaves and fish into a feast for thousands, or that God could use the selfless act of a child to melt the hearts of those in the crowd. Ah, and that's it, isn't it, right? The melting of the hearts of the crowd is one of the miracles too. But the story doesn't end there. You see, in the eyes of humanity, Jesus is only as good as his last miracle. And so, you know, this was great, Jesus, but we want more. Their thirst for more and their thirst for something even greater takes over them. And Jesus is able to see that reaction from the crowd, how they have witnessed his miracles, and now they want him to to overthrow King Herod. They want to make him the king. And so Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force. Literally, we are going to take you, Jesus, and make you our king. And Jesus is like, no. And so he withdraws again to the mountain by himself. That's not why Jesus came to this earth. Jesus didn't come to fit into our structures came to teach us about his. And we can't blame the people. I mean, can we? I mean, yeah, they're feeling like, okay, enough miracles. What we want is his power. Come on, Jesus, you're the person who can help us. We want you to be the one to lead the way. They want you, they wanted him to be the one that was going to help take away this awful leader like King Herod. And it's easy for us, I think, to say, wow, man, those, those crowds really got it wrong. But at the same time, are we all that different? I mean, because we are a people with high expectations and, and we get easily influenced by what's going on around us. And so the truth and the reality of the situation is we know that life can be stressful and that our expectations as we, as we are in this work-based country that often it's really hard to live up to. Like the last thing that we did is the measuring stick for the next thing that we do. And knowing that if someone or something can wipe that stress and that away, I think we're going to say that we're, we, we want more of that. We want it. We're in. But Jesus is showing a new way. And the only thing that the people are caring about is that he fed them and healed them. So his next miracle, the miracle that would have completely blown them away, it's not in front of the crowds. It's in front of the disciples. And we get a glimpse, a brief glimpse into the presence of God. Actually, from below the sea. Only God can defy the laws of physics. Only God can do a miracle that can't be explained away. This is a theophany. This is an appearance of God like the burning bush that Moses encountered. How these disciples must have felt when they saw this was sheer terror and utter amazement. Yet Jesus, as he's walked three to four miles out onto the water to to meet them, says, it's I. Don't be afraid. 
a pivotal moment in Jesus' ministry here where we move from the miracles to the teaching. And honestly, for the next month, you're going to get really, really drawn into the story of Jesus talking about, I am the bread of life, and why that's such a powerful story for us. Because this teaching of Jesus, it's going to be hard. It's actually going to turn off a lot of people. You know, the people who are just there for the show, just there for the miracle, they're going to find excuses. You know, the miracles aren't going to be enough for them. They're not really committed to the mission. Famous tennis player Arthur Ashe had an interesting take on that whole, you're only as good as saying. You know, he wrote this in his own memoir. He wrote, I tell myself that it's not true about how you're only as good as your last game. I tell myself, hey, my record should stand for itself. I tell myself there's too much emphasis on winning. But I got to watch that I'm not just telling myself those things to explain why I'm losing or to excuse myself from not trying hard enough. Think about Ash as being someone so ahead of his time. He was more than just an athlete. He was a humanitarian. In fact, when he contracted AIDS through a blood transfusion after a heart attack, it was through his experience and his pain that led to so much education and so much research. Ash was about more than just the game of tennis. But that quote I find fascinating because he's not trying to say, well, I can just you know, let everything go. He's trying to say, look, what's next? How can I stay motivated? Not wanting to get complacent. And I think about how the church can embrace that. Like, that's perhaps where the church is right now. And just when you think, wow, Pastor John is building up for the, the line, you're only as good as your last sermon, I'm not. Like, what's he doing with his hands? Anyway, there's so much more to it than this. Because you're only as good as your last, and fill in the blank, there's a lot of scarcity in that. That's a measuring stick that I don't want to be measured up to. That's a standard that you're never going to be able to meet because if you have to keep getting better and better and better, think about our Olympic athletes who have these world records in front of them that could never, ever be be broken. And Jesus leans into this and shows us a way that says, look, you are enough. You are worthy. You are loved no matter what. So what a challenge we have. Being the church right now is actually a really exciting and unique time. We can look at our past. And and here at Faith, we've got a long, rich history. We have a mission that says that we are led by the the Spirit to share God's grace. It's on our website, right? Our mission reminds us, we've got our poster that, that shows us that we are led by the Spirit to share God's grace. That's who we are. But like Arthur Ashe, there's still some work to do in the kingdom. Like There's still opportunities in front of us as we ask ourselves what's next, as we listen to the Spirit, and together we will find out what God is calling us into, how God will continue to call us to make a difference in our community, in our own individual lives, in our families, and know that that's some holy work there. Jesus is only as good as his last miracle. Okay, I can live with that. Because you know what his last miracle was? It was the resurrection. Not even death could stop our Savior. And so we we lean into that. That's where our vision begins and ends. We share the good news of, of salvation through Christ by welcoming all, inspired by God. Together we are sent out to live our faith. So if you think you're only as good as dot, dot, dot. 
I've got even better news for you. Because you and me, you are always, always as good as a child of God, loved by Jesus Christ, no matter what. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.